Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to thank you for joining us as we study God's Word today. Have you ever ended up someplace and you just couldn't see how it was at all beneficial for you to be there? Have you ever moved somewhere and wondered what on earth God was thinking by engineering this? That is exactly where Ezekiel was when he was captured and taken to Babylon. Today's lesson, which was preached to the Franklin Church of Christ on July 27, 2008, examines the first three chapters of Ezekiel to help us learn how to simply serve God wherever we end up. So get out your Bible and turn to Ezekiel 1, and let's learn together. In January of 1993, on Tuesday morning, I went up to the campus of Wichita State University where I was a student to pay my tuition. Because my dad had been in the Air Force, I had been receiving in-state tuition, even though I wasn't from Kansas. And so I was ready to pay $800. When I got up to the counter, gave my name and Social Security number, student ID, she printed out a bill for almost 3000 And I explained to her, oh no, you've made a mistake. You see, because my dad's in the Air Force, I, or was in the Air Force, I, I get in-state tuition. And she informed me that, no, actually, that's, that's not the case. That, that in-state residency, because the military rule has been mishandled and misapplied and doesn't actually apply to you. And so you have to pay us out-of-state tuition. More than three times what I had been intending to pay, and I couldn't afford it. And so over the next two days, we scrambled to get me into a college in Arkansas, which is where my family lived, that we could afford. And I moved down to Conway, Arkansas, and started attending the University of Central Arkansas. Up in Wichita, I had a great job. I had lots of good friends. All my best friends were up there by that time. I was preaching someplace almost every week had opportunities. I loved the school. I got to Conway. I didn't know very many people. I knew a few. Didn't have any opportunities to preach anywhere. That didn't, you know, struggled to find a job that could barely pay the bill. I hated it. In fact, I spent the entire semester wishing I was back up in Kansas and wondering why on earth God let this happen. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever ended up someplace and you wondered, why on earth did God put me here? What on earth can I possibly do here? I want to share a Bible story with you that I think helps us out. How can we put the past behind us? How can we just be where we are and learn to positively serve God wherever we end up? Well, this is exactly the situation that Ezekiel was in. Taken captive and brought into Babylon by the rivers of Babylon, wondering, why on earth did this happen? What on earth can I possibly do here? Our stories don't hold a candle to his. And I want us to take a few minutes this morning to learn from him how we can positively serve God wherever we end up. And whether you're here in Franklin, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, wondering what on earth am I doing here? Or if at some point down the road you end up someplace else, and we don't want any of you to leave. But if you end up someplace else and you're wondering, how on earth did I end up here? What am I going to do? I hope that you can learn from Ezekiel how to serve God wherever you end up. 
Before we look at that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise you because you're awesome. And you are our God wherever we end up. And we pray that you would help us to serve you. Forgive us for the times that we've turned away from your service. Forgive us for the times that we've walked in our own paths and served our own will. And we ask that you would strengthen us to honor and love you and glorify you. And Father, we thank you because you're with us. And we thank you for the strength that you've given us. And we're thankful for the forgiveness. We pray that you would help us to convey that message to other people, that they can become a part of your family as well. God, we pray that you would bless this congregation and help us to glorify and honor you. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. In Ezekiel chapter 1, let's just begin with a little bit of background information to understand exactly why this applies. In Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, it says, In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Kabar Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw the visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of Chaldeans by the Kabar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. That begins by saying, in the 30th year, and that's one of the struggles with this passage, in the 30th year of what? Well, it wasn't in the 30th year of any king. It wasn't in the 30th year of any captivity. And so the logical conclusion we come down to is that it's in Ezekiel's 30th year. And that really becomes important for us. I just hold on to that for a moment because that helps us place where Ezekiel is and why what's going on on this particular day is so astounding. In Ezekiel's 30th year, he's 30 years old, and when we, when we take a look at the Bible history, that means that he was born in the 17th year of Josiah's reign. That was one year before Josiah started all of his reformations to bring the children of Israel back to God. And until Ezekiel was 14 years old, he was able to live in that Reformed period, and he was able to witness all that devotion to God and that Reformation. And as a priest, he would have been told by his parents, when you're 30, when you're 30, you get to work in the temple. When you're 30, you'll get to attain your destiny. When you're 30, you'll get to serve God, and you'll get to be one of His priests at the temple. Look in Numbers chapter 4. In Numbers chapter 4, we learn this. Numbers chapter 4 and verse 3, as they're taking a census of all the priests and the Levites who will be able to work, it says, from 30 years old up to 50 years old, all who can come on duty to do the work in the tent of meeting. We actually see that three other times in the text, in verse 23 and verse 30 and in verse 39. From 30 on up to 50. So Ezekiel would have been told, when you're 30, you're going to get to go on duty in the, te- in the temple. You'll be able to serve God at His throne room in Jerusalem. You'll be there where God is. Now, you may not be the high priest, you may not be able to go inside the Holy of Holies, but you'll be able to serve God when you're 30. However, at age 14... Jehoahaz became king. And Ezekiel began to watch as Jehoahaz and then Jehoiakim led Judah on a downward slope. And then when he was 17, he learned about Nebuchadnezzar coming in to Judah and laying siege and carrying off some of the young nobles and the royal family. That's okay. He was still in Judah. When he was 30, he was going to get to be a priest. When he was 30, he was going to get to serve at the temple. But when he was 25, he was taken to Babylon himself. And now he's 30. 
the year that he's supposed to be able to start working in the temple, the year that he's supposed to be able to be back home serving God in his throne room, and instead he's thousands of miles away by the river Kabar in Babylon held captive. How do you think he felt? Disappointed? Discouraged? Disillusioned? Angry? Think he doubted God? And yet what we're going to find out in these first couple of chapters is that God was going to use Ezekiel in ways he never imagined. And from that, we'll be able to learn how to serve God wherever we end up. The very first thing that we need to recognize is that God is with us wherever we end up. No matter where you end up, God is with you. And that's exactly what God demonstrated to Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal, and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. But each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four sides they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. The four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And on it goes in in what we find to be very confusing. Now, let me encourage you. Don't get bogged down in this chapter trying to find some type of historical significance. Don't get bogged down in trying to think that the man's face equals some time in history and the eagle's face means something like that. That's not it at all. In fact, verse 28 provides the real point of this entire passage. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so is the appearance of the brightness of it all. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. This entire picture, if we read the entire chapter and all the colors and all the images, all it's trying to demonstrate is the glory of God. And it was so amazing and it was so profound that Ezekiel had no response except he just had to fall down before this presence of God and worship Him. Now, we sometimes struggle with what all this means, but let me assure you that for Ezekiel, what it meant is God is with me, even here in Babylon. And you're probably saying, well, how does it mean that? Why why are you saying that? Well, it's tied into these creatures that Ezekiel is seeing. We read chapter 1 and we wonder, what on earth are these creatures? But Ezekiel already knew, and in fact, in chapter 10, verses 20 through 22, he tells us what these creatures are. In chapter 10, verse 20 and 22, having seen these creatures again, he says there in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 20 through 22, these were the living creatures that I saw underneath the God of Israel by the Kabar Canal, and I knew that they were cherubim. Each had four faces, each had four wings, and underneath their wings the likeness of human hands. And as for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the Kabar Canal. Each one of them went straight forward. He says, I'm seeing these, uh, these beasts again, these creatures again, and I know what they are. They're cherubim. And that doesn't mean anything to us. But it meant something to Ezekiel. And when we take a look at the Old Testament and it's, we see what Judah thought of the cherubim, we begin to get a picture 
of God's presence. The first time we hear about the cherubim is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24 where it says that God drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden He placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So already here, just at the very beginning, the cherubim had an image or a picture or a meaning of strength and power and even judgment, even punishment at times. But that's the idea of the cherubim. These are strong creatures. The next time we hear about them is in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 22 where they're about to build the tabernacle. And God says to Moses, There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, which remember the mercy seat was set on top of the ark, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. Think about that. Can you already see where this is going to head? Moses, where are you going to get to meet me? I'll be sitting on top of the two cherubim. You'll be able to come into the Holy of Holies and speak to me. That's where I'll meet you, on that mercy seat. Can you already see that this is going to be considered the throne of God? In fact, that's exactly how it's considered. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. We see that it says, So the people sent to Shiloh. Remember, this is when they had been in battle and they would gotten beaten so bad and they decided to get the Ark of the Covenant out there, completely misusing the Ark. But notice what it says to us. So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. Enthroned on the cherubim. There's lots of passages we can look at. I've just picked out a couple in Psalm 80 and verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 80. And verse 1. Psalm 99 and verse 1 says, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earthquake. Psalm 99 and verse 1. Isaiah 37 and verse 16 says, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God. The cherubim, they weren't just creatures. They weren't just mystical creatures. They weren't just amazing creatures. They were the throne of God. Interestingly enough, we'll just tack this one on too. In addition to that idea of throne, there was even the idea of being a chariot throne in some, to some extent. Psalm 18 and verse 10, he said, He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. Kind of like that idea of a, of a, of a roaming and flying throne, a chariot, if you will. And that's exactly what Ezekiel is getting to see. He's getting to see the throne of God. And I just want you to think about this. For his entire life, up until he was 25, Ezekiel was looking forward to the time that he was 30 when he was finally going to get to serve God in his throne room where his throne was housed. There where the mercy seat really was. There where the ark was. There where those cherubim were where he would meet with Moses in time past. Where the high priest would go in once a year and be able to offer atonement for all the people of God. Ezekiel had looked forward to his 30th birthday when he would be able to come on board for that duty at the throne room of God. And now he's thousands of miles away. And why does God give him this vision? Because he wants Ezekiel to know, my throne's not in Jerusalem. I'm not the God of Jerusalem. I'm God everywhere. And I'm right here. You don't have to be in Jerusalem to be in my presence. You don't have to be at the temple to be where my throne is. It's right here. And Ezekiel got to see what no one else has gotten to see, the real throne of God. As God flew on the cherubim. And Ezekiel learned, I may not be in Jerusalem, 
but I'm still in God's presence. And whether it's Kansas or Texas or Florida or Tennessee or Colorado, even down in Alabama, Brent, God is there with us. It doesn't matter where we end up. God is there. And so if you ever get to a place where you feel like you're forsaken by God, I mean, can't you imagine that's what Ezekiel felt? That he was forsaken by God? If you ever get to that place, and you know, it it may not be a physical location, it may not be a geographical location, it may just be a situation in life. If you ever get to that place where you feel like you have been forsaken by God and God is just not there, I want you to remember Ezekiel. By the river Kabar, a captive, a slave taken from his home thousands of miles from anything that was familiar. And God was there. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. In verse 5, the Hebrew writer says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever you end up, God is there. The second thing I want you to recognize from this text, God's plans for you are greater than your own. God's plans for you are greater than your own. Ezekiel had the plan of being a priest, one of those who would work at the temple, who would offer the sacrifices, who would clean the temple, who would get all those those things ready and serve God there. And what a wonderful thing that would be. But look in Ezekiel chapter 2 now, beginning at verse 1. God said to him, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel had looked forward to one day being a priest. God said, no, you're going to be a prophet. You're not just going to minister in my temple. You're going to minister to my people and explain to them what's going to happen so they can be prepared. Ezekiel had plans, but God had greater plans. And what I want you to recognize is that the plans that you can come up with in your life, if you serve God, God's plans are greater. God has greater and better things in store for you when you simply serve Him. Now, please, don't misunderstand. I'm not suggesting that somehow, before time, God had mapped out exactly what you needed to do, and if you make one wrong choice, then it's all over. Now, I've heard folks that talk about... I remember studying with one guy one day, and he said, you know, I wake up every morning and ask God, God, what do you want me to do today? And then I know how I'm supposed to act. I said, well, did you ask Him if we could study together today? He said, no, I didn't ask Him that. He said, so you're saying it could be a sin for you to be studying the Bible with me right now, couldn't it? Yeah. You know, this idea that somehow there's, there's all these little choices that we have to make and figure out somehow apart from the Word of God because then and only then we accomplish what God's plan for us is that's not the case at all. That, that's, not, that's not the way it is at all. It's just the fact that wherever we end up, if we serve God, His plans are greater for us. 
Ezekiel didn't make the choice to go to Babylon. But God was able to use him there. And we need to understand that God can use us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. The Bible there says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. No matter what happens, no matter what choice we make, if we love God and the choices that we make are based on loving God, then God will make things work together for our good. He'll make them work together for our blessing. And His plans for us are greater than our plans. The third thing I hope you recognize from this is that if we want to serve God wherever we end up, we have to be willing to serve God wherever we end up. God isn't going to force us to serve Him wherever we end up. God has not predestined us to serve Him wherever we end up. Just like Ezekiel, we have to make a choice. This time begin in verse 8 of Ezekiel chapter 2. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it, and he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me in chapter 3, verse 1, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with the scroll that, that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. God gave Ezekiel a choice. He said, eat the scroll. He didn't force Ezekiel to eat the scroll. Ezekiel had to make the choice. Ezekiel made the right choice. He was willing to serve God wherever he was. And despite what feelings he had, despite what disillusionment, despite what despair, despite what discouragement he had gone through, he was willing to serve the Lord. And do whatever God said. And, and that's us. That's what we've got to do. We've got to make the choice. God isn't going to make us serve Him. God hasn't predestined us to do His will. He's left it up to us. He's given His will to us. He's given us the scroll. Will we eat it? The fact is, we can choose not to serve Him. You remember Jonah? Jonah's another man who had a choice. And at first he made the wrong choice and chose not to serve God. But when we choose not to serve God, we will face the consequences. And I certainly recognize that, that if we don't choose to serve God, that it's not like God's plans won't take effect. I think about Esther, another servant of God who had to make a choice. And in Esther chapter 4, verse 13, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. God's plans are going to take place. Whether He gets to use us or not, He's going to get His will done. But who knows, Mordecai said, whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows? But whether God hasn't brought you right here for such a time as this, and He's got a plan for you. He's got something you can do because of your abilities and your gifts and your place and your station. And He just wants you to choose to serve Him. He'll get His plan done some other way if you don't. You're not some cog in the wheel that if you're removed, you're indispensable. He can get somebody else to do it. But who knows that maybe you're here for just such a time as this. 
the final thing we need to recognize is that we need to be willing to serve God His way. We need to serve God His way wherever we end up. There in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 2 and verse 4, God said that the descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God. In chapter 3 and verse 4, He said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with My words to them. God told him, speak my words. If Ezekiel had gone to the children of Israel and said, thus says Ezekiel, he wouldn't have been serving God. If he had said, thus says the Lord God, 90% of the time, but 10% of the time, didn't like what God said and said on this one, thus says Ezekiel, he wouldn't have been serving God. If we're not serving God His way, we're not serving God at all. If we want to pick and choose, if we want to just take the things that we like and discard the things that we don't, if we just want to pick out just certain aspects of what God has said about serving Him and and not the other things, we may have an easier life, but we won't be serving God. Now with Ezekiel, this caused some hardship. There was one time he had to lay on one side for 390 days. Then he had to roll over and lay on the other side for 40 days. Later on, God took his wife away from him and wouldn't allow Ezekiel to mourn. Ezekiel suffered hardship because he served God his way. I recognize that the hardships that we face, they won't be the exact same as Ezekiel's. God hadn't asked us to to lie on our side for 390 days. That was Ezekiel. But let's face it, when we serve God, we will face hardship. And we could get out of it if we decided not to serve God. We could get out of it if just every once in a while we'd say, thus says me. We could get out of it if just every once in a while we'd just cut a few corners or drop a few verses off. Not stand so boldly for what God has said. We could get out of some of that hardship. But the consequences of that would be more than we'd really want to bear. We want to serve God wherever we end up. We've got to serve God His way. I know this isn't a magical formula. You may have been hoping that I would give you some type of phrase to repeat over and over again that would just take all depression away from you. That's not the way it is. But if we're going to serve God wherever we end up, this this is it. We need to realize that God's with us no matter where we end up. We need to realize that God's plans are greater than our own. We need to be willing to serve God. And we need to serve God His way. I want to finish that story that I started at the beginning of the lesson. 1993, I cried for a week. For six months, I was depressed. But, if that mistake hadn't been made, and if it hadn't happened right then and I hadn't had to leave Wichita, I would have never started looking for a preacher training program. Because I was preaching almost every week anyway. Who needed a training program? I was getting all the training I needed. And so I wouldn't have ended up moving to Florence, Alabama to work with Harold Comer. And of course, on a personal side note, I wouldn't have got to meet Marita and I wouldn't have Tessa, Ethan, Ryan, and Trina. But if I hadn't worked with Harold Comer, then a couple years later when the church in Beaumont, Texas was looking for a younger second preacher, he wouldn't have recommended me. And I wouldn't have got to move to Beaumont, Texas and work with Max Dawson. And if I hadn't moved to Beaumont, Texas and worked with Max Dawson, I would have never met Phil Cavender. And if I'd never met Phil Cavender when this church in Franklin, Tennessee was looking for a preacher, he would have never mentioned my name and Phil Barnes would have never called me. 
and I wouldn't have ended up moving here. And I'm not saying that God couldn't have worked something else out in my life. I recognize that He could. But I have to tell you that right now I'm glad it worked out this way. For the work that I get to do, the opportunities that I've had since I've been here, and especially because of the relationships I've gotten to develop. And I know that some of you are probably sitting there thinking, stupid Wichita State, why'd they mess that up? But I hope that more of you are thinking, man, I'm glad they made that mistake. Because that's what I'm thinking right now. God can use us wherever we end up. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1. Look at that passage. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Who knows where we'll be tomorrow? I have my plans, but who knows where we'll end up? If we live by these simple principles, wherever we end up, we can serve God and God will use us to do great things. So whenever you're depressed about where you are, think about Ezekiel. And picture the throne of God, because He's right there with you. And just serve Him. I hope today's lesson edified you and glorified God. Let's remember what we learned. If we're going to serve God wherever we end up, we must, one, recognize God is with us wherever we end up. Two, recognize God's plans for us are greater than our own. Three, be willing to serve God wherever we end up. And four, serve God His way wherever we end up. When we do that, we're going to be shocked to look back over our lives and see the providence of God at work. If you have any questions about this lesson or if you have any spiritual needs or prayer requests, please feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or by going through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you're ever in Middle Tennessee, we would love to welcome you as a guest in our assemblies and classes. You can get directions and learn the times of our classes and assemblies on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you sometime. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.